0: Amen. Good afternoon and welcome to Epiphany's second of three gatherings. Amen. I'm glad to be here. How many of you glad and thankful to right now? How many of y'all had a good Thanksgiving? Yeah. How many of y'all house hopped? Bruh, man. Fifth floor like a mug, man. everybody everybody had a good time how many y'all over ate and had to repent about 11 o'clock at night man lord have mercy man i just gotta say lord have mercy that's all i'm gonna say turkey dressing gravy ham on amen hallelujah hallelujah i had a good time and enjoyed um sharing this thanksgiving in heaven our first thanksgiving with our our little young buck and um thankful to the Lord for so many things. And did you thank the Lord in this season? Did you, did you reflect on what you're thankful for? Thankfulness is a good thing. And it's pausing to remember what you're thankful for. Even when you feel like you're going through something and you're having a hard time, when you pause to just think about what you can be thankful to the Lord for, there's no season of life that we can go through where we don't have something to be thankful for. Paul said, I learned uh, to be content with the Lord, whether I abound or whether I abase. And so no other time but in the season that we're in. We want to keep uh, um, Sister Valencia um, lifted. Her She's down in Maryland with her, D.C. with her sister. Her sister is dying on her deathbed and has cancer all through her body. I called her this morning, prayed with her, and just shot her some verses. And <clears throat> just want to keep her lifted up in prayer as her sister is gone in the hospice, so let's let's keep that lifted up in prayer. Also, keep restoration Philly lifted up as uh, everything that's going on there. And this is the last Sunday of Robin Williams uh, with us on a Sunday morning, leading with us as he's transitioning his role from here to there in that role as minister. You can give God a hand, praise for him, <laughs> Amen. If you appreciate him, you know the uh, the the uh, uh, you and you see him afterwards, give him some encouragement. If you got some sandwich money, just ball it up like the old women used to do in the old church, and they give it to you on the on the on the on the low, you know. And if you ain't got no money, you can give them a peppermint like they used to do, you understand? Or you know, they always gave out brocks. They was they had brand loyalty. Um, they gave you the the spiral mint, or they gave you y'all don't know nothing about the butterscotch one, See, so y'all don't know. You're too young to know about that. And you don't, but my favorite one was the cinnamon, the the little red one they little give a little sting on the tongue a little bit. You know, and I used to like them right there. You know what I'm saying? They wouldn't let you eat Tootsie Rolls in church because they didn't want it to get on the carpet. So you had to have hard candy. Somebody say hard candy. Yeah, yeah, hard candy. Why did I have y'all say that? But, um, <laughs> but, um, but <clears throat> but yeah, so, so we're excited about all that the good Lord is up to. So let's stand to our feet. Our feet. Oh, don't forget. At 2:30 today, um, we're having a forum on uh, engaging race as a church, and so at 2:30, go grab you something at Diamond Pizza or Qdoba, something, bring it back. But we also have refreshments down there as well, and so meet us down there at 2:30. We'll have a great time uh, with the elders, us talking through some things in relation to a response to our message today. Amen. Amen. You know how we do. I'll start with you, and you continue. We're in James chapter one, verses 19 through 21 today. James chapter 119 through 21, let's read together. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Keep going. Amen. 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 Today, during our time, I want to talk briefly from the subject towards engaging race issues in the church. Towards, I didn't hear no amens. Let me try that one more time, cause the devil is a liar. Um, I'm gonna try on the body one more time, cause I need some help today. And y'all gonna help, Pastor, today? And I need y'all to get up under me and help me with this. I know the Lord's standing with me, but I need some people of God to stand with. Thank you, Sister Sarita. Amen. Towards engaging race issues in the church. Amen, amen, amen. Let's pray to the living God. Father, I love you. We love you. This church loves you. And we're committed to walking with you. And in having a committed walk with you, we have to deal with every issue in our lives. Sinful and otherwise, and race is no laughing matter. There's a lot to deal with in it, and you created ethnicities, and you allowed man to cultivate culture as he dominated the earth, and expressed himself. And however, when those expressions find themselves in unredemptive formats, um, that's against the eternal idea of imago Dei. Lord God, we uh, we we have a right to be righteously angry and biblically informed and committed to biblical righteousness and justice and so today lord let the words more than any other day lord god let the words of my mouth let the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight oh god our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust and help uh, lord help us not to just be hearers of the word deceiving ourselves but help us to be doers of the word and lord god let the goodness of the gospel the death and resurrection of christ as well as the power of the spirit rest, rule, and abide, and help us in this time to empower us to obedience. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Um, As many of you know, unless you were living under a rock, um, that this past week was a tumultuous week in the United States where there have been divisions among people within ethnicities and across ethnic and cultural lines, particularly among blacks in America and whites in America, blacks in the church and whites in the church over the issue of the decision at Ferguson not to indict the police who shot and killed um, Mike Brown. And I, I saw so many people take to Twitter and I saw CNN sort of show what they wanted to show in relation to how people of color were reacting to what happened. Um, everybody wasn't looting in every city. Amen. Y'all quiet on me, but I told y'all I need some help today, so y'all better help me right now. Everybody wasn't looting in every city um, 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 and every white person wasn't saying something racist. But there was those share of whites that said something racist, and those share of blacks that acted like plum nitwits. In light of the verdict, amen, somebody, and 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 so and so. In light of that reality, um, we saw no matter what you believe about this sermon is not about the verdict. Somebody say amen. amen. This sermon is not about the verdict. The the and, and let me let me just tell you something. Whenever God puts you through a trial, it's not. It's not to show you where somebody else is. When, when, when God puts you in a trial and he puts you in the smelter, he's trying to show you where you're not. And when, what happens during the heat of a trial is the impurities that's in you come to the top. Almost, It's almost like you can't help it because trials were made up by God to heat up the life of God's people to show you where you are and where you not so that you can look to where you need to be. And so in this situation, we've gone to the verdict and we've gone about talking about racism and violence and all of those different things. But I believe in the midst of this, God used it to show the church exactly where it is. In other words, in this country and in the church, race, somebody say race, race is still a major issue. It ain't, it ain't gone. Uh, I'm just because we drink at the same water fountains and go to the same bathrooms and can now sit at the same counters doesn't mean that race isn't an issue anymore. And, and so we, we're to the point now today where we need to begin as the church to be the leading agents. At, at, at speaking prophetically. Somebody say prophetically. We need to speak prophetically into what's going on in our world and stop being ostriches and sticking our heads in the sand. And, 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 so, and so in light of that, black folk and white folk who are blood-bought by the bloodline of Christ need to unify today. Um, We we need to get to a point where we begin to be on the same page of where God wants us to be so that we can be a unified—because if we're cussing and fussing and calling each other nigger and whitey, I said it publicly, if we're calling each other that in the church, then what do we expect in the world? What are we going to do if in the church behind closed doors, whites— Culturally, call black people certain things without blacks around and blacks in our own closed environments begin to talk about whites in the church in our own environment, then smile and come to a gathering like we love each other. But behind closed doors, they were hunkies and behind closed doors on this side, they were the N-word. You know how they are. You know we do it. Don't look at me funny. And so what God is doing is God is going to continue to prick at his church, at the wound of its brokenness, to ask it to ask for healing. And like the pool of Bethesda, the man by the pool of Bethesda, Jesus has come by the church to say, do you want to be made well? And and so um, I took to Twitter and I wrote a blog last week and I said a few things. I said, I haven't said much, but very disappointed about our understanding of justice. Amos five twenty-four. I said, I agree with Barack Obama, not holistically, so don't come out of here past agree with Barack. Um, I, I agreed with him on some stuff and disagreed just like I did Bush. Hallelujah. So, um... I said I agree, and it's not a political message because we're going to be in the Bible, but the Bible is created in the framework of engaging every area of life, so nothing is off limits in sacred and secular. The Bible and God's mindset is supposed to engage everything, even politics. Somebody should say amen right there. Because Jesus is going to sit up his political reign eternally, called the eternal reign, where he is the only political figure sitting on a throne ruling, and we will be political figures in eternity. So if we are going to be political in eternity, we need to be political now in our function of kingdom ethics. So I agree with Barack Obama, just to say that. We, uh, uh, when he says we have to systematically work to rebuild trust between communities of color and law enforcement, Romans 13, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 14 through 17. Then I tweeted, Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 12, and Isaiah 58, 5 through 16, should be our reaction and heart, not insensitive statements or talking about doing justice in a bad way. Minorities don't destroy your cities. With the next thing I said. Stop tearing up your neighborhood, and you got to go to that barbershop next week to get your hair cut. You're going to loot a grocery store. Y'all are going to eat it all this week, and then where are we going to get next week? All right, that's all I'm going to say about that. Minority culture, be sensitive. To, major, uh, majority culture, be sensitive tonight. Don't talk about facts in due process. Listen. Then I said, disappointed with some of my brothers according to the flesh and some of the voices of my brotherhood according to the cross. Which brings us to a point where we talk about this divide. (laughs) But every divide, when you are a believer, finds its unity in the Bible. And I have one point and one point only today, and then I'm out your way. Um, The church is called to be a unified light. The church is called to be a unified. Somebody say unified. (laughs) Unified light. Stay in James. I want to say something real quick from uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. It says, y- Y'all are the salt of the earth. In the Greek, it's you plural, meaning y'all, not you, individual. It means the, the people of God together are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Salt in that day was used for a multifaceted amount of reasons, but one of the things that this text will point to in its multifaceted applications is the fact that in their in in their day, their system of removal was different from ours when it came to excrement. And so one of the things that they would do with uh, excrement is they would lay it all out and put salt on top of it. And when you put salt on top of it, it would break the manure down And the manure would be broken down and become usable again. That which wasn't usable becomes usable again. And it becomes fertilizer to develop crops and to develop the landscape because that which should have been thrown away is now being salted and transformed so that it has redemptive use. Where the church is supposed to get together and blacks and whites is supposed to be a multifaceted herb mixture from heaven. And in being a multifaceted herb mixture from heaven, we are supposed to be shaken in the hands of God on earth into culture and begin to break down the mess that is within it and expose it for what it is. And as it gets broken down, by the time God gets finished with it, it's usable again. And so so the church is called to be a unified front on every single issue and speak challengingly into all of these different areas to help the Lord God, I mean, to be hands in, uh, be in the hands of the Lord God for the grace of God. Now we go over to James, and James has, it's nothing but an applicational book. I love it, because James just shoot, he's just like blowing shots off. I mean, he, I mean he, he got theology, but it's all written in applicational form. It starts off with count it all joy. If anybody lacks wisdom, ask. You know what I'm saying? Your religion is defiled. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, uh, uh, faith without works is dead. Not many of y'all become teachers. You know what I'm saying? If anybody is sick, let them come to the elders. Confess your sins to one. To, I mean, he goes through the book, and he just got cow, 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 shooting at the body of Christ in a good way. And I love the way he's shooting at the body of Christ because sometimes you can be constipated with information but have no application. And so we, 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 we have a bunch of stuff where we've talked philosophically but haven't dealt with anything practically. And so now it's time for us to utilize the theological constructs and the way in which God is transforming our mind, not just engrafting things into our mind, to begin to prophetically engage the issue of race in the church. And so in coming under this point where we're talking about the church is called to be a unified light, he says, know this. Somebody say, know this. I like, I like when he says this. When he says know this, the word here for know is different than usual. He doesn't use gnosko. He used oida. Oida is a word that means to know something based on reflection, not based on hearing it for the first time. See, the, many, the see, many of us hear something once and we're ready to start running our mouth on it. But he said, before you start running your mouth, reflect. He said, he said this is reflective knowledge that's based on theological and cultural reflection. That means that people of God must not run, everything that comes after this, he says, I want you to think reflectively about, meaning you need to take some time and think through what he's about to say. But then he goes from saying, know this, to saying, beloved brothers. In other words, God loves you and you should love one another. You, you, You are absolutely, unadulteratedly loved. So when we come together in the body, love should be assumed and applied, not anything else. And then he says, let every person, talking across Cultural and ethnic lines, letting us know that we need to let every one of us begin to, to to do what's coming after this. And the first thing he says, he says, be quick to hear. Let's stop. Amen. That means if we're going to engage any issue in the body of Christ, we need to be a community of listeners, not a community of mouth runners. We need to be a community. See, we would understand and have more empathy for one another if you hear one another. And see, you, you don't know what somebody's been through and what their story has been. And you can't make any assumptions about someone, but you need to listen. And that's why I t- when I took to Twitter, which I rarely do, to, to not go on a rant, but to go on a, 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 the layout information, I was disappointed at how whites were not listening to the hurt of black folk. Y'all quiet on that part. Let's say that the verdict was right. Let's say, whatever wherever you land on that. My, my problem was is that whites weren't listening and, were, and, and, made, and, and made a lot of vicious statements towards African-Americans and even using what I would say the lack of cultural informity of some African-Americans against the whole of this in order to promote an agenda of believing that something doesn't exist when a lot of people know that it still exists. And so and so, and so you can't so so you can't go around uh, uh, I'm saying the race doesn't exist it does racism does exist yes, does. now y'all looking at me, funny, racism still exists now now, now, we know that it went in covert form, it is not an overt form as much as it used to be, but there needed to be listening because there was a lot of hurt involved with this whether wh- whether whether he was a gangster or whatever i i i i, I from me experiencing that and walking through. Um, my life um, and growing up under parents who were raised in the Jim Crow South. My parents were raised in Jim Crow South. I ain't, you know, um, and when we say Jim Crow South, we talk about where they didn't drink at same water fountains. My father remembered what it was like coming back um, from uh, World War II and throwing his Purple Heart in the trash because they called him the N-word as soon as he got back on shores, but he took two bullets for a country that didn't acknowledge him as a man. Um, He remembered when his uncle, who was a prize fighter, got lynched because of his ability to fight and he defended himself and he had to watch several of his family members get lynched and hung out in the woods. Um, My mother remembered all types of activity in relation to her upbringing in uh, in King Street, South Carolina, so I, I grew up with that. I grew up with my grandmother and my grandmothers remembering when slavery was abolished. And they remember the abolition. My grandmother, if she was living now, would be 130 years old. And, and she remembered the abolition of slavery. And 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 then growing up in the House, and growing up in Washington, DC, and then growing up in this philosophy, and then growing up uh, under black, black-on-black crime and dealing with that. Uh, and just by way of parenthetical pause, you can't utilize the argument of engaging black-on-black crime as not to deal with an issue of injustice if it comes up. Because people do actually engage black-on-black crime. That's why, again, we gotta listen. Um, 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 And we're we're actually, and I'll talk about that in a little bit, and and, and how just living in this neighborhood, we're we're engaging that. But it's it's just interesting that there has to be a listening ear. There has to be a season where you authentically engage a hurting person when they're hurting about something. Amen. Now, let me just give you an example because y'all don't feel that. So um, I would like to think that I'm right most of the time in my marriage. (laughs) Most of the time, I think usually I'm right and my wife's wrong. She's sitting right there, and she's looking at me like I'm crazy. But I'd like to see me, in her sensitivity and hurtness, authentically over something, push my rightness above engaging and pastoring her heart. In in, in other words, she may tell me I'm right later, but at the moment of her hurt, she doesn't want to hear how right I am. She wants to hear how I hear from her. And in this situation, what has to happen is is no matter what you feel about this, whites have to hear the hurt of blacks who've experienced this and why is this hurting and what about this is hurting. And then at some point blacks, because it says let everyone hear. So it didn't just say let, let white people hear black people. That's not what the text said. It says let everybody, somebody say everybody. So that means that you need to sit down black folk and listen to some of the hard statements that white folk have with us about the issues of race and why some of them feel like we pull the race card out when we smell racism. Because some of us are conspiracy theorists. What, that, that's because I'm a black man? You know what I'm saying? It's just like, it's just like uh, you, know, you know, you know what I'm saying? Uh, See, so you just did that because I'm black. No, you got pulled over because you ran the stop sign. You know what I'm saying? No. No, get out! you better get out and take this breathalyzer because you're drunk, all right? It ain't got nothing to do because you're black. It got something to do with your breath. That's what it got to do with, okay? So, so, so we do have conspiracy theorists, right? Who always see something in something. You know, why, why the white ball knock the black ball in and you win the game and pool? You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying, why the black ball got to be the one last? The white ball ain't got no black written on it, but why the black ball has to have a white number on it? See, that's what I'm talking about know what I'm saying? You know we got conspiracy theorists. You know, you know, you know. Wearing natural hair, head wraps, and you know what I'm saying? Only listen to Sister Soul. Y'all looking at me funny. You still listen to Public Enemy and all of that, you know. You know, and you, you just smell, you know, Jesus was African and he's from Egypt, you know. I'm talking about that, you know. But then, but, but, but there has to be mutual listening. Amen, somebody. But when there is a ground zero, Those who are hurting needs to be the one who's listened to. That's very important. When there's a ground zero, the people who were hurt need to be the voices talking and the people who are not hurt need to be the ones that listened. Um, I don't know anyone who's African American that didn't have black men in their household who weren't cringing no matter what the verdict was. I got three. So I gotta train three black men we live behind the precinct. I have to train three black men how to relate to police. And so that brings up all of those types of things that some ethnicities don't have to think about. And so when we talk about being quick to hear in the body of Christ, <laughs> there is no unity without empathy. And so empathy doesn't mean you agree. Empathy just means that you understand why someone is where they are in relation to how they came about being on that place on that issue. Are you trekking with me? Now, one of the biggest things in the body of Christ that we need to be able to do is have an empathetic community, and when we when, and that's going to turn us from a gathering into a body. Because see, right now we only a multi we only a multi ethnic gathering. We're, we're not a body yet. And, and, and a, body, a body happens, and it's happening in different areas, but a body happens when there's empathy and connectivity based on knowing one another. Yeah, yeah. Not liking the idea of a multi-ethnic church. See, some of y'all like the idea of a multi-ethnic church. But see, if you're really going to be multi-ethnic, you're going to have to hear somebody's history. You know, it was interesting. I, I was listening to, uh, to, to Danny's, Danny, our, our, our only Korean staff member. I'm listening to his story, and I'll see him in a totally different way. I, I, you know, um, Pastor Nyron's Jamaican, um, Pastor Tommy is white, Pastor Larry is white, Men, Pastor uh, 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 Kurt uh, African-American blacks, but he was born in Jersey, I was born in D.C. All of us come to the table with all different types of ways that we have to understand and hear each other coming from all of these different backgrounds. And then you got two of our elders married to black women, so they got a whole nother cultural construct they got to work through in Jesus' mighty name with working with that cross ethnically. Then you got a cross-ethnic marriage with Pastor Nyren and Sister Ruth, and Sister Ruth is both Jewish and African-American, so. She she got to work through that with him being Jamaican, and then we got to come in the room with all of that stuff and hear each other to, to work through leading this church. So, so so we can't help but deal with race issues. We come in the room and we got all kinds of baggage in our meetings. You know what I'm saying? But working through that with one another and acting, looking at how all of us look at so many things differently. But what helps us to come to the table is God's word. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and so and so and so that's just a microcosm of the church though. Yeah. We got all different types of people in the room and we need to hear their story. I was listening to Jose's story. Um, as he was working in the hallway, when you go out, you'll see the ceiling getting fixed from crumbling. And I was listening to him being from El Salvador and the dialect that his wife speaks, Sandra, and hearing his story over the years about his background and why he's here and how he works through being here as a Latino minority in a church that has a majority different types of people. It gives me a different level of empathy for him. We have Haitians here, and I hear their Haitian stories and their black nationalistic stories from Haiti. And I and I hear stories of our folk from Trinidad and our folk from Jamaica and then we got a slew of Nigerians and all of them different and I'm listening to all of these stories then that doesn't count for the people who are ethnic mixed who are viewing themselves as both white and black and trying to figure out how to identify themselves culturally we need to be listening to one another yeah 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 so be quick to hear because you don't know what somebody's been through don't make an assumption. That's why the Bible tells us and helps us to be quick, <coughs> to, be quick to hear. That, and so then after that it says, assumptively slow to speak. <laughs> that means when you heard, you may not need to say a word. Um, sometimes you don't need to say the first thing that's on your mind. Amen. Amen. Slow to speak. Slow to speak means that after somebody, this is all in the text. after someone told you where they are, you may not need to say anything. you know let me let me tell you something I'm prepared to marriage again. When my wife talks to me, she don't want me to necessarily fix her let I mean let me let me let me explain to you how this works. They spend years how this works. <laughs> Sometimes when my wife talks to me and she broke down crying and she telling me everything and I got a man's mind and so I already, the mechanisms is coming up, and so I already got a plan in place, I got, I got a spreadsheet, I got a philosophy and all of that and I, and I gotta say down, down Eric, down. <laughs> and I just, and the only thing she hears to me, <clears throat> Dag, bae, I can't even believe that. What? Uh, 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 I can't believe she said that to you. Really? Oh, my goodness. Let's pray. Let me hug you. Let me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We talking about race, but some of y'all just learned something about marriage. Um, She don't want to hear, well, see, baby, what you need to do. She she shuts the shuts down and a whole lot of other stuff cut, shut down for later on in that day because I wasn't listening. And so, and so, hallelujah. And so, and so, and so the same thing works. The same thing works practically in, in inter-ethnic relationships is that we need to be slow to speak. You, uh, uh, you know, white folk, you sometimes you need to say, "Black." Folk, I, I can't believe that. Are you serious? Somebody did, one of my people did that to you? And you need to just walk off and come back. Do, do one of them. And just because you know what I'm going to be, that white person loves black people. I want to be in a relationship with that. You see what I'm saying? In other words, there has to, even though in your mind you're like, this is the dumbest thing, I don't relate to it. He's stupid and they see everything through race. But if you say, man, I just can't, but your mouth should say something else when you finally do talk. So be slow. Somebody say slow. slow. And then black folk. That means you don't cuss the first white person out you see. It's, it's something. It's some, it's some, when something happens, black people, we be like, the first white person I see. Why we do our foot like that, though? And do our head like that? Why we do like that? Why we do like that? The first white person I see, I'm going to slap. You just, you just, I'm a, I just need to, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, that's how we do. <laughs> but slow to speak. And then naturally, it says slow to what? Anger. Isn't that something? Because naturally, when you listen and somebody's talking, the first thing you want to do is get angry at what they said. The Bible knows how we are, don't it? Yeah. Ain't that crazy that that's right after one another? Be slow, be quick to hear because we're usually slow to hear. We're usually quick to speak and quick to anger. He says, Because the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Wow. Wow um we 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 should get angry but not sin the bible says that's how you know your anger comes from a good place anger from a good place has restraint <laughs> because because it focuses on how god is what if god cuz god can't sin however what if he Acted in the first time he got angry with you with the fullness of what your sin deserved in his anger. One of the ways that Israel described God was slow to anger and abundant in mercy. Wow. And so what we need to be, black folk, is slow to angerations. But be angry and don't sin. That means don't cuss nobody out. Don't go loot. I just have never understanded the looting phenomenon. You go and tear up your own neighborhood and businesses, and then you can't go to the grocery store, you can't get a haircut, nothing. So anyway, I I just don't understand that. And so be quick to, uh, 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 to be slow to anger. And one of the things, as as we work through that idea of being slow to anger and working through this whole idea of listening, we gotta recognize that none of us see anything 100% objectively. None of us see anything objectively, so listening and being slow to speak and slow to anger helps us to recognize what is enforcing bringing up anger issues within us in response to an issue so that God can show us why are you angry? How do you deal with this? Why do you not, why aren't you slow to, why are you quick to listen and working through all of those issues with one another as God wants us to work through that. Uh, The man that was quick to anger in the Bible, named Moses, um, was shepherding two million people. And he got sick of them one day. And he got so sick of them one day, God told him, God gave him a word. And he decided that the way the people were acting was more important than than what God said. And so instead of speaking to the rock, he struck the rock, and he missed out on the opportunity to go into the promised land because anger got the best of him. When the Bible calls us to be slow to anger, it's helping us in the name of Jesus to have a trajectory to help us not to miss out on some stuff that our anger will cause us to miss out on. But we see an example ultimately in Jesus Christ who shows us what biblical anger looks like because in his incarnation when they were utilizing the temple for other things what did Jesus do Jesus came in the temple and the Bible says the zeal of the Lord consumed him so the glory of God consumed him and his anger was about the glory of God not his not offenses against him and him alone But then in verse 21 in verse 21 it says therefore put away filthy all filthiness <coughs> and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word of God, which is able to save your souls. This is powerful because when you're not quick to hear and you're slow and you're not slow to speak and you're not slow to anger, the Bible calls that filthiness and rampant wickedness. But when you listen and when you're slow to speak and when you're slow to anger, the Bible calls that meekness. So right here it says receive with meekness the implanted word of God, which means If you're walking in filthiness and rampant wickedness through how you speak and how you listen and how you express anger, you can't receive a word from God. And so he says with meekness, because you've listened, you've got empathy, what begins to happen is you're able to receive a word from God, which is able to save your soul. What does that mean? It's not talking about salvation in the sense of justification, but it's talking about helping you to grow up in relation to God's word. Let's give a couple of case studies. Give a couple of applications and I'm out of your way. Um, one case study of prejudice, that's not really, in the Bible, is only two races. It's not multiple races. It's redeemed and unredeemed. First Peter 2, read it. <laughs> but Jonah was a man, the man of God, a man, who received the word from the Lord, amen. And when he received the word from the Lord, he did not like what the Lord told him. And what he began to do is he began to let his sociology influence his theology. And because he let his sociology influence his theology, he didn't want to go to a group of people, the Assyrians, who were very violent people who the Jews hated and all of the oppression that the Assyrians in former regimes had caused to happen. And now God is calling him to engage those very people. And so, on that side of things, he ran away from the presence of the Lord. We see that as an issue where we let our sociology influence our theology. We see Paul and Barnabas, and uh, a Peter and Barnabas rather, in chapter two of Galatians, at a cookout in Galatia. The Galatians had the apostles over because they loved them and wanted to thank them for how for bringing the gospel to them and everything. And so, they had a cookout. They had uh, barbecue ribs and chitlins. You know what I'm saying? And scrimps and everything, um, things that the Jews weren't supposed to eat before Jesus Christ declared all things clean. And so Peter was at the table with his napkin tucked in his shirt, happy. Like, I never had these type of delicacies. And he's tearing up some shrimps, and he's pulling, in the shrimp, and he's eating butterflied shrimp, and he's eating ribs, and it's pulling off the bone. You know, the Galatians could smoke meat even back then. And so, um, and so he's eating, and then all of a sudden, Paul— uh, all, all of a sudden, people coming down from Jerusalem, and so because of that, he, 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 he drew back from the Galatians because of him not wanting uh, to allow uh, his brethren from Jerusalem to see him with Galatians, which was a challenge for the gospel. And what was interesting is Paul didn't call Peter a racist. He didn't even call him prejudice. He says, you're not standing in the truth of the gospel. Yes. So race and prejudice issues is a gospel issue, not merely a race and prejudice issue. So therefore, him drawing back from his brethren was a truth issue. And those are the things that we need to begin to work through as a body. in getting ready to close this, a good applicational passage for you to read through. And as we're going to talk through, even in the symposium, is Romans chapter 12. <coughs> in Romans chapter 12... There's a few things that Paul walks through that helps us to understand how to apply the gospel in a situation like what we're going through between particularly, but not excluding anybody else but blacks and whites in particular and in race. But this is normal body life, large principle stuff that applies here. He says in verse 9 in Romans 12, let love be genuine, all but what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. That means love each other for real, for real. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Some translations say mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty. Be associated with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. All, all, if possible, so far as it depends on you. Live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. My, 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 my. But leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will replace, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's our disposition. And so Amos 524 says, let justice roll down like waters. Christians should seek justice. We should. And we should communicate that and engage justice where possible. But some issues that we need to wrestle through as I close. Number one, we need to wrestle through white guilt. We need to wrestle through black minimization. We need to wrestle through white privilege, amen, black victimization, black numbness that leads to apathy, and invisible and visible systems of injustice. It's a part of being a believer to do that. And so I pray that as a church, as we begin, that's why this is towards engaging, because when we we're, we're 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 trying to move in the direction of engaging race issues in the church. And my prayer is as a church that we would go from being just a gathering to a body. And that we will see more whites that are joining the church versus just coming to the church. Um that we will see more long-term commitment in community together with one another where blacks can openly engage and talk about their issues with their brothers and sisters in Christ. And we can learn and grow together as an empathetic but not apathetic community for the glory of God in Jesus Christ. And the cross is the place, family, where God deals with our issues. So what we do is we come to the cross together and God doesn't ignore issues, he crucifies issues. And so let's meet at the cross together. As Christ dealt with our sin, let's deal with our functional structural systems of sin as we engage one another and love one another and engage the world and be a light and salt for Jesus. Father, we thank you and we honor you and we bless you for your mercy and your grace. And we look forward to the day when we're, in glory, and we are worshiping with one another without any injustice. And, Lord, we just pray today that you would grace us and strengthen us to begin to meditate on and be seasoned, as it were, with salt and in truth, how we speak to one another and how we don't grieve the Holy Spirit in our reaction to one another. You want us to engage and and, 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 and attain to the perfection that's only in Christ, and that's why we press towards the goal of the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Help us to be culturally informed, but most of all, help us to be biblically informed. And Lord God, the Bible says that the sons of Issachar were men who knew the times and knew what Israel ought to do. May we have an Issacharian spirit in relation to how we deal with these issues and engage in these issues and challenge these issues so that whites and blacks in the church and beyond and all of those who, from different backgrounds, first, second generation Asians, and Europeans, and Africans, and Caribbean folk, and, and Canadians. That, Lord God, as, as, as we grow in what it means to be a body, and we grow beyond a gathering, help us to speak prophetically into the issues in our culture. And see change in it because of how we're engaging with one another through the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Let our men come. Let our